0: We learned last week, Mark, because he opened up the Word of God to us of what our uh, condition was or what it is for some of you if you are still outside of Christ. We believe it's true because it was the truth of God's Word that we are a spiritually dull, We cannot see the light. We cannot understand his word. We don't even want to. We learn that we are spiritually defiant, that the light has come into the world, but people love darkness. And because our works were evil, uh, we did not come into the light. We are spiritually dominated. That's what we were, that's what you are. If you're not a Christian yet, you are dominated by the devil. We are children of the devil. Everyone who practices sin is a slave of sin. We know we we, we know that we were slaves. Everything he said rings true with our hearts because it's the word of God. And we were spiritually desperate we cannot come to the father we don't want to come we cannot come unless he draws us to himself we are drawn to the world and we are doomed we are spiritually doomed we are condemned already because we have not believed that's that's where we come from but you see the arminian teaching is this it believes They believe, they teach this. They teach that God looks down on the earth, or God looks through the tunnels of time uh, to the earth. And with this unconditional election that we call it, they say it is conditioned. When he looks down, he sees who's going to believe, and then he chooses them. That's not election. That's selection. Because I want to tell you something. You may know this already. Psalm 14, 2 through 3 tells you that God has looked down. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none that does good, not even one. He says it again in Psalm 53 and verses 1 through 3. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together, they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And is it just an Old Testament uh, concept? Does anybody in the New Testament understand this? Yes, Romans three ten through twelve. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, we're the Greeks, we're the Gentiles. That means everybody. Everybody is under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands No one, apart from grace, seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. That's the teaching of God's Word. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for uh, uh, bringing that Word so powerfully to us and making us appreciate what God has done. Well, under these circumstances, then, these that are dull, defiant, dominated, desperate, doomed. What does God do? What will God do? Will, will He wash His hands of it all and say, I've got to start again. This hasn't worked out. I've, I've, I've got to raise up a people that will love and delight in me and will glorify me. Is that what he did? That's not what he did. Paul breaks out in Ephesians 1 and verses 3 through 6. He says, Blessed, he worships God, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with with which He blessed us in the Beloved. That's what He did. He predestined sinners to be blameless. He predestined sinners to be brought into His family, those that were doomed and desperate and defiant and, and everything else of, that they were. And for that reason, you see, when Jesus speaks... In John's Gospel, he teaches us clearly and exactly concerning the Father's electing or choosing a people for himself uh, for his own glory. I've got a four point outline. It's just simply this God's sovereign choice, He's allowed to do that. God's loving choice. We must not miss that. Election is the evidence of God's love. That's what it is. God's previous choice. He's already done it. Some may not like it. Some may not understand it, but it's, it's done. He's done it from all eternity. He knew All that was going to happen and he determined to save sinners and it is a purposeful choice he has a purpose in it well God's sovereign choice then our first point John 1 9 through 12 says this the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. How did they get there? Jesus tells us who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. They were not born of anything here on earth. Not blood, not flesh, not man, but of God. A sovereign God caused them to be born. They were born of God. If you are a Christian, you have been born of God. You have been handled by God. You have been blessed by God. You have been touched by God. You have been brought forth by God, a sovereign God. And for that reason, in John chapter 3 and verses 3 through 8, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who was the teacher, and, and he didn't understand, he could only think on an earthly level, he says to him, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again,' cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, the Spirit of God, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from nor where it is going. So is everyone. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. A sovereign spirit that blows where it wishes. That's what we pray for, isn't it, parents? Isn't that what you pray for your sons and daughters? Oh, spirit, please. Blow irresistibly in my son's life, in my daughter's life, in my grandchildren's lives. That's what you want. But see, God is sovereign in his choice, in his election. John 17:10. John 17, 6 through 10, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Jesus is praying to his Father. He's confessing to his Father what he's done. He, He confesses that you gave me people. You gave me people out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. This is a group of people. This is a multitude which no man can number. In every nation, in every generation, in every people group. This is who he's praying for. He says, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. God has something that's his. He says, it's mine. It's mine. And the mine that he has, he gave them to Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus says, they're mine. What's mine is mine, and what's mine is his, and what's his is mine. This is a sovereign work of God. And he's already done it. From all eternity, he has done it. In John 17 and in in verses 22, 23, this is so wonderful. This is the spread of of his sovereign will. He says, I ask I ask not for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be with us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that i had that you have given me i have given to them that they may be one even as we are one i and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even As you have loved me. You see, there is this entity. It is the people of God. They didn't make themselves that. That's clear. They had to be born of God. And and they belong to Christ. And Christ prays for them. And his prayer extends all the way until that last day. He's going to bring them in, he's going to bring his elect in by His sovereign power. But you notice when Adam read this and and when I read it, that last phrase, he says, I can't take it in. He says, so that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them and love them even as you love me. That's our second point. It's God's loving choice. Can you believe that? Can you take that in? It's true. I can't get my mind around it. God loves you if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, if you've been born of God, if you've been born again. He loves you even as He loves His own Son, because you are in Him. Everything that happens in in your life is an evidence of His love for you. It's a loving choice. This is the driving force in God. This is His motivation. This is His intention. This is what flows out of God's heart. It's love. It it comes right out of his heart. John 3.16. The better translation is in the uh, Christian Standard Bible. It says this, For God so loved the world. God loved the world in this way is better. It's It's a purpose statement. He gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him what's driving God what's what's in him it's love it's love for sinners I'll say this much it's, 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 a, it's a terrible comparison. I'll say it anyway. I would not give my son for any of you. I wouldn't do it. But God gives his eternal son that he has loved with an infinite love in the eons of eternity. He has given us. He has given him so that we don't have to perish. My boy couldn't save you anyway, but I still wouldn't give him. I'm not God. I don't have the heart of God. Look what he has done. That's what drives him. That's that's where it flows out of. John 6, 37 and 39 says, All that the Father gives me, will come to me and whoever comes to me I will not cast out for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of of him who sent me what is that will? it's not like Jesus' will it's different from his father's will it's not he says and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing Jesus doesn't want to lose anything either. He wants to come down and do the will of His Father. He doesn't want to lose anything. Nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. The all there means all the elect, all, all those that God has chosen in order to give them to the Son. And He cherishes that gift. He doesn't want to lose any of it. John uh, 36, 39, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And that's why the Apostle could say that. That's why he could say that in, in Ephesians 1 uh, verses uh, the last part of, of verse 4 and, and verse 5. He could say, in love. In love, love is attached to predestination. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace. That's what it's all about. It's a glorious love that, that, that goes back to God our Father. Well, our third point is then, we've seen that it's sovereign and it's loving. It's also a previous choice. It's an eternal choice. It's a choice before he made the world. He's already done it. John 10 and 1 through 6 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by some other way, That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. There's lots and lots of sheep, but when he comes in, he knows he knows the ones that are his. They're his own sheep. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from, from him but, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They needed to have their minds open. The sheep belong to him before they hear his voice. Jesus refers to them as his own. Those of the sheep who hear his voice, every single one of them, follow him. They won't follow that stranger. They flee from him. Jesus knows their names. Jesus knows your name. He died for you. He He came to rescue you. John 10 uh, and verses 14 through 17 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I have intimate knowledge of you, Jesus says. Infinite, infinite, complete, perfect knowledge of you. Ah, but he says, but I've got other sheep, not from this fold. Not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also. His heart is wide open. He's going to bring the nations in. He, he's going to bring Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims and animists and secularists. He's going to bring in all kinds of people. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it out. Well, we've seen a, a sovereign choice, a loving choice, a previous choice. Now we come to a purposeful choice. What does Jesus say? What are the words fall from his lips? Here, here are some of them. John fifteen sixteen. he says, as Adam read, you did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you That you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. This is the purpose. This is the purpose of His choice. Jesus asserts straightforwardly that the choice of salvation rests in Him alone, He's the one who does the choosing. And he gave us that choosing. He originated that salvation to set us free for a passionate service represented by fruit bearing for him. That's, that's what he did. We were all to ourselves. We were, we, that's all we cared about was gaining for ourselves. We were me, 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 me. And we have become him, him, him. That's what grace does. That's the purpose of it. John 15, 19 says, If you were in the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not in the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We've been plucked out of the world. We're not of the world that's why if you can put the next slide up I think that's next yes yeah if you've been taken out of the world uh, Spurgeon says the, r- the world has no room for you you're not going to be comfortable in the world because that's God's purpose he, he wants you to live for the world which is to come He wants you to live for the next world. He wants you to do all the good that you can in in this world. But we know where we come from, don't we? We know that we come from the tyranny of this world. We know all of us were worldlings. See, that's what we want to say to lost people. We want to say, we know we've been there. We've been where you are. You have not been where I am. That's what I want to say. I have been in the world. I was a worldly young man. I was a sinful, dominated by sin young man. I think I'm the worst sinner in this room because you don't know what I did. You don't know what a new creature he has made a pastor to be. I never dreamed of being a Christian or a pastor or a missionary or anything else. I was in love with with smoking pot and with academics and was sleeping with girls that were not my wife. I was terrible, wicked, blaspheming, Sabbath breaking sinner. And he came to me one night and my the conviction for sin was so great. This guy named Dave Inks was witnessing to me and I knew these doctrines of grace. I didn't like them, but I knew they were right. And he caused me to be born again. And I got up the next day and everything was different. And I have been this way ever since I got saved. I cannot understand it. But that's what God has done. And he'll do it for you not in spite of this, but in cooperation with this, these wonderful doctrines of grace. Romans ten thirteen says, whoever, whoever, any one of you, any one of you lost children, lost people, you will call upon the name of the Lord. You will be saved. The one thing you haven't done is call upon the Lord. That's what you need to do. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about election. You are elect. God has chosen you. God has chosen you to live in the United States where there is no persecution of Christians. He predestined you to live here. He has brought you under the influence of Of Christianity by some connection with your parents, with your family, with your siblings, with someone. He has placed you, if you can hear my voice right now, He has placed you in a Bible believing, Christ centered, God centered church on the authority of God's Word. That's what He's done. He's chosen you for all kinds of privileges, He's predestined that for you. He surrounded you with people that you know are Christians. You know they love Jesus. You know that they care about you. They love you. All of these things are in your favor. You've been chosen by God for tremendous things. Don't ever disqualify yourself. Don't ever do that. Don't say that. There is no sinner that is too great, too big, too terrible of a sinner than Christ is. Uh, Can we go to some of those slides? The application that I want to give you in in the time that we have is, is from Spurgeon. Look what Spurgeon says. He says, Ah, the bridge of grace will bear your weight, brother. Thousands of big sinners have come have gone across that bridge. You know that. Some of the best people won't go, but some of the worst people have been saved. Isn't that right? A persecutor of the church is saved. A man with a legion of devils in him is saved. Naaman the Syrian, this Gentile guy, he gets saved. Proud man. He goes across that bridge. You, you don't ever have to worry about that. There, there's no sinner too great for God that he can't save. That's, that's who I am. That's who I feel myself to be. Maybe some of you feel the same way. Uh, let's go to the next one, please. There's one. Uh, I... I until God gives me the roll call of the elect I am going to preach the whosoever will gospel that is the gospel we are to preach today because we don't know who the elect are we don't know what they look like we don't know what they're doing we don't even know where they are that is all over the earth this is what drives missions you see the doctrine of election drives a missionary to go to north africa among a muslim group of people and try to set up a business of tourism and have tourists come over so that they can witness uh, to those who speak english and there are people there that do it sends A young man and his beautiful wife and kids to Ireland to a post-Christian nation to pastor a church and to plant another one and to win sinners to Christ it's because whosoever will if God will make them willing they will come that's why Dave and Sandy Aff have spent their entire lives in Irapuato, Guanajuato, Mexico. And they planted churches in Matehuala, in San Miguel de Allende, in Silao. And, that, and, and, that's, and all the people that are in those churches are people who were Roman Catholics and, and were brought out of darkness. Why did they do that? It's because they know whosoever will whoever so God will have mercy on, uh, they will come. That's, that's, that's what makes people go into dangerous places because God's got a people there. He might save a persecutor of the church. That's, that's what we pray for. That's, that's why they go because they know there will be success. It's worth it if just one gets saved, but multitudes will be saved. Uh, uh, let's go to the next one, please. This is the application. This is worship. This is the great C. H. Spurgeon. This is what he says: "I can never cease to wonder that God has elected me." That's what we need to have. That will give us joy. That will give us courage. That will give us happiness. That will give us pleasure to know that God has chosen you. He has made you a Christian. He has brought you to Christ. I'll please the next one. This is what he counts on. He says, My evidence that I am saved does not lie in the fact that I preach. He, he, he preached a thousandth, Or that I do this or that. All my hope is this, he says. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. I am a sinner. I trust in Him. He came to save me. And I am saved. That's what Spurgeon says. That's what he's counting on. He's counting on nothing else but the blood of Christ. Of His sacrifice for Him. Nothing. We are so performance based. That's our default setting. We we think we've got to do something. Every, every religion outside of, of Christianity says, do this. And Christianity says, look what he has done. He's done it already. You don't have to go there. Uh, the next one, please. This is the evidence that you're saved. This is the evidence that you're the elect. Look at the look on his face. I don't know who chose to put these together, but... He, He he says, No joy ever visits my soul that knowing that Jesus is highly exalted and that to Him every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says there's nothing more than that. His heart is so connected to Christ that when Christ comes back, he's not so concerned about his own vindication, but the vindication of Christ. That's who he is. He is the Lord. He is the judge of all the earth. He is the Savior of all of his people. That's that's what makes Spurgeon happy. And that's what makes us happy. We'll, we'll, We'll be happy for that. What's the next one then, please? Okay. This says, if you want to know that you're really a Christian, this says if you long for perfect holiness in the fear of God this is the proof to you that you have eternal life isn't that right Mayra? es una buena traducción gracias that's what it is if you long right now can you say I I say this all the time uh, uh, to myself if, if all there was in heaven if all there was in heaven was the fact that I would be sinless and that I would get to see Jesus that's enough for me that's all I want I want to be free from this wickedness that's in my heart and, and, and the unsanctified part of me that is not holy. All the pride and the selfishness and all of that, the self interest, is horrible. But that day will come. Longing for it. It will come. We will be perfectly holy. We will see Jesus. Is there one more? I don't think there is, yeah, okay. He's commenting on Ye are Christ. You belong to Christ. You are His holy donation, for the Father gave you to the Son. His by bloody purchase, for he counted down the price for your redemption. His by dedication, for you have consecrated yourself to him, Him, His by relation, for you are named by His name and made one of His brethren joint heirs that's what Spurgeon says and the capstone then of, of my message it, it came from uh, Jeremy Schultz I was at um, uh, Le Creme and we were talking about this and he asked me if I remembered something that um, happened and I said oh brother thank you so much this is the capstone. It's got everything in it. In Matthew one twenty one, the words of an angel to, to Joseph, Mary's husband, in a dream. He was a righteous man. He was going to put her away. Even before he was born, this is what the angel said. She will bear a son. And you Shall call his name Jesus. He's not even born yet. This is his name. His name's going to be Savior. His name's going to be Jesus. She's a virgin overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, going to give birth to the Son of God. What's he going to do? For he will save his people. He's a fetus he's got people because it is the love of god it is the previous work of god his previous choice it is the purpose of god he will save his people from their sins isn't that marvelous <laughs> i just want to shout <laughs> that's what it is it's it's marvelous that's our god and savior well, I I would I would like to ask the worship team to come forward then, and um, uh, Jonathan Poland's going to uh, read a prayer for us that we can pray with him uh, 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 from the Valley of Vision. It's just really really wonderful, and I'm uh, thankful that he's, he's willing to do that.